Welcome to the Go Loco podcast, entertainment and lifestyle offerings from the Loudon Times Mirror. Hello, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the inaugural Go Loco podcast, entertainment and lifestyle offerings from the Loudon Times Mirror. I'm Trevor Bratko. I'm the editor-in-chief here at the Times Mirror. I am joined by John Battiston, who is one of our reporters, and he will be your Go Loco curator. John, say hello. Hey there, guys. I've been on staff since May 2019 and have a little bit of podcasting expertise, so I'm happy to help get this project off the ground. What we are going to try to do here with Go Loco is introduce you to some fascinating personalities, some very inventive, creative people, and just give you kind of an overall lay of the lifestyle scene, the entertainment scene here in Loudoun County. So we'll be talking, of course, breweries, wineries, uh, trivia nights, events, artists, a little bit of everything. Uh, as we sat down and started to get this together, we felt like it's just the perfect time to offer offer the listeners something like this with how much is going on in Loudoun County on a daily basis. There's just always, always something to do, always a new business, always some fascinating new neighbor to learn about. And that's kind of the, the genesis of the Go Loco podcast. John, I think you have, you've done some podcasting before, I believe. Uh, what's your experience doing this? Well, I started podcasting by doing one every week with my friends called Real Underdogs, where we would cover movies. Then I also helped put one together for the student newspaper at Virginia Tech, and I still do it on a fairly regular basis. It's a great creative outlet, and I'm glad to be bringing it into the workplace. So we are very excited to deliver this to you guys. Uh, on that note, I should say, bear with us. We're new at this. Uh, we're going to figure it out. There may be a few, there will be a few road bumps, a few hiccups along the way, but hopefully we'll, uh, we will get better. There will not be a shortage of fun stories and fascinating people to hear about. The first of those will be Tonia Priolo. She is a local artist. She goes by Chalkaholic. I, I have a hunch most of our listeners probably have seen her work before and they may not even be aware of it, but she is just a very, very cool woman, extremely talented. And John sat down with her recently and is going to uh, introduce us to her. And uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about, about her passions and what makes her tick. Have at it. Take it away. Let's go. If you frequent certain Loudon breweries, pubs, and restaurants, there's a good chance you're familiar with the chalk art of Tonya Priolo. Based in Leesburg, she draws under the witty moniker Chalkaholic, doing everything from promotional materials and menus to seasonal portraits and pop culture tributes. You can find much of her art on the walls of Chefscape in Leesburg. I spoke with Priolo over the phone last week. What drew you to chalk as your primary visual medium? Well, I got started on chalk when I worked at Brewer's Alley in Frederick, Maryland. Um, I was 21, and I was bartending there and waiting tables, and they needed a chalk sign for an event that they have every year called In the Street. So I did this big chalkboard menu, and everyone just loved it so much. So that's exactly where it started. Since then, you've uh, done a lot of work for several different businesses, particularly breweries, pubs, restaurants. How do you typically attain that type of work? Do you usually seek out clients or do they usually seek you out? Is it a general mixture of the two? 
It's kind of a mixture. Um, working in a brewery in Loudoun County for eight years, I got to know a lot of people. Tons of connections. Word of mouth is huge. And then I started my Instagram a few years ago, and that just kind of took off. I get a lot of requests. I don't really seek anybody out, although I do advertise for commissions when I have time. But people contact me. So I have tons of emails, messages, you know, just requests for art all the time. It's pretty much nonstop. So when you sell people your chalk works, you know, chalk is by nature kind of ephemeral. It's very easy to erase. Um, is there any way that you ensure that when you sell somebody your work, it doesn't get messed up? Is there a way to protect against that? Or is it just kind of a mutual trust where you know that your client or the person that you're selling to will put it into a safe place? So, so far, um, there isn't a spray that I can spray on my work that will seal it. Um, it's layers of detail, and usually if I spray something, like every single thing I've tried takes away the top layer, which is the most detail. Mm. So for now, for commissions, I do a frameable side, so it's behind glass or plexiglass, which protects it. And the chalk won't just fall off. It won't just come off of the paper or the board. I use very textured surfaces, which hold on to it. And a lot of people just don't even mind hanging up a piece of unsealed artwork in their home. As long as it's, you know, up high enough and no one's touching it, they're fine with it. One of the most important and persistent motifs in your work is sci-fi and fantasy. You've drawn a bunch of movie monsters like Count Dracula, Frankenstein, and his bride. Uh, you tributed a lot of cinematic and literary franchises, including Harry Potter, Star Wars, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ghostbusters, Scooby-Doo, a bunch of others. How did these bits of pop culture become the apparently major source of inspiration that they are for you? I grew up as a teen in the 90s. I'm really into anything 80s and 90s. It's just kind of stuck with me. Um, I have two teenage kids also, so they are into all the same things, and it's just really fun to do all that with them as well. You occasionally make photorealistic portraits honoring pop culture icons who have passed away. You've shared portraits of Anthony Bourdain, uh, rock singers Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, and Stan Lee, who was in charge of Marvel Comics for a long time, and they all died within the last three years. Are these pieces typically commissioned, or do you do them on your own time? Are you inspired to make those tributes on your own? The Anthony Bourdain and the Stan Lee were both requested commissions. The Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington board was a special board I did for VC 101. We had a fundraiser for the um, AFSC, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, at the brewery, and he asked me to draw that. I asked him what he wanted, and that was his request, so I just decided to go for it and do a giant with both of them on it, and that was pretty fun, too. I don't do too many things that aren't requested or commissions or work at the moment. Hopefully, I'll get to a point where I can do some things for myself. <laughs> kind of going off that, where do you see your career and brand going in the next five or so years? Um, I just like to, you know, keep moving forward and doing... I love doing huge murals. I love working with the local businesses and making all of those connections in the community. I am coming out with some prints and some merch soon, so that's really fun. 
You've shared a photo on social media of your child after he asked to pose with your work. He was wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt, so it appears he's interested in your love for movies and pop culture. Have your kids struck up an interest in becoming artists themselves? I would consider them both to be artists. They're super creative. They've been drawing since they were little. They have had access to the best art supplies since birth. So that (laughs) might have something to do with it. But they are incredibly creative and they're really, really good at everything having to do with art. They're really into what I'm doing. I'm kind of a cool mom at the moment, so I totally (laughs) embrace that. (laughs) You know, I show them everything I do and, you know, they're pretty excited about it. Finally, where in Loudoun County can listeners go to see your latest work right now? I still have a lot of work on display at Lost Rhino in Ashburn. The Ashburn Pub and Percival Pub, I do their um, their event boards, so there's usually something really fun there. All of the Buffalo Wing factories, particularly the Ashburn and Chantilly locations, have big murals that I've done. And Chefscape in Leesburg, um, pretty much everything in the whole place I have drawn on every wall in there. So that's a really good place to go see my work, including the... Um, that's nice wing mural that's pretty neat. It's definitely a good photo op in the area. Tonya Priolo, thank you so much for talking with me today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. You can find Priolo on Instagram at Chalkaholic. That's C-H-A-L-K-O-Holic. And now, a run-through of upcoming community events by community editor Karen Graham. Loudoun County, we have a lot of fun things to do this weekend, starting off with March 6th, First Friday Leesburg. There are many art exhibits happening, Loudoun Street Studios, photo works, art and music at Art Sweet Art, an art open house at the Medlin Gallery, and there's live music happening at um, King's Tavern and Wine Bar. There'll be Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck endings. Soul Music at Tar Benders, and 90s Night with Go-Go Gadget at Tally Ho. It's also high school musical season, and Clue the Musical will be on stage at Loudoun Valley High School in Percival. Little Shop of Horrors is also on stage at Woodgrove High School in Percival, and Blythe Spirit is on stage at Loudoun County High School in Leesburg. At wineries and breweries around Loudoun, you can catch some great music. There's Far Away at Vanish on Saturday at 1 p.m., Joey Bauer and Friends at Duquenne Winery, Gary Wimbish at Bear Chase, Dave Lang at Torreira, and Steve George and Friends at the Barnes at Hamilton Station. This is all March 7th. On March 8th, you can see Jim Toy at Cana Vineyards, Mercury Avenue at Sunset Hills, and Shane Gamble at Fleetwood Farm Winery. One ongoing exhibit that's happening at the National Sporting Library and Museum in Middleburg. Next weekend, March 14th, is one of the first spring races of the season. It's the Bluemont Shamrock 5K, 10K road race. So that's happening on Saturday, March 14th at 8 a.m. We have the Children's Consignment Sale, which is a big deal at St. Teresa's Church in Ashburn from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on March 15th. That's where a lot of people like to go and get bargains for their kids. And uh, the Civil War Walking Tour with Rich Gillespie is another popular event that's happening March 15th. Uh, 
if you can catch his tours, it's a great way to learn about local history. This is in Leesburg, downtown Leesburg. He's going to include three skirmish sites from the Civil War, two churches, the courthouse lawn, the Harrison Hall where General Lee stayed, and the Episcopal Cemetery. And this is sponsored by Thomas Belch Library, so if you'd like more information, you can visit their website. Another big concert next weekend is at Franklin Park Art Center. It's on March 16th at 3 p.m. and it'll be featuring Mark Forrest, who is an inspirational and uplifting music singer from Ireland. So that'll kick off your St. Patrick's Day events. So uh, those are some of the highlights of the calendar for this week and next week. Hope you enjoy it and have a great time. A crowd of 900 gathered at the Lansdowne Resort and Spa February 28th for the 33rd annual Chocolates Galore and More, a fundraiser to benefit the Loudoun County YMCA. More than 20 culinary outlets from across the region presented their signature desserts and hors d'oeuvres for guests to sample as they socialized, took to the dance floor, and enjoyed bottomless champagne. As the evening drew to a close, the Critics' Choice and People's Choice Award winners, Best Taste and Best Presentation for both desserts and hors d'oeuvres, were announced. I spoke to Loudoun YMCA Business Director Kasia Bochenek earlier this week. Just in general, tell me how you think this year's Chocolates Galore event went. From the guest perspective, uh, the feedback that I've heard, um, everybody were saying that was the best of the best. <laughs> oh, really? Better than uh, ever. So that's from the guest. They were only saying good things. And uh, when I check the uh, Facebook next day, the entire Facebook was talking only about chocolate. So I was really thrilled about it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the list of winners. So there's a big variety between the Critics' Choice winners and the People's Choice winners. I believe uh, between the Best Taste and Best Presentation recipients in both of those sections, there is just complete variety. I don't think any one company got a Critics' Choice Award and a People's yeah. Choice Award. There's a lot of variety. So speak to that a little bit. You know, and that, I, I was very surprised about it, but very, very happy about it. Because in the past years, um, uh, there was many um, uh, restaurants that got multiple awards. Um, and, you know, it's it's not bad. But this year, um, I see that the Critics and People's Choice um you know, people like something different, so <laughs> which which I really like, and I'm very very happy that Sweets Bakery uh, won again. They are my champions from 2012. I think they win every single year, so they're doing something great. Well, uh, I definitely stopped by their table and can certainly say that they deserved it. <laughs> That's good. Yes, they do. They, um, you know, I I like the story of uh, Sweets Bakery because. Um, um, 2012, um, Trunk, the owner, she uh, was baking from her basement. And she came first time. She didn't know exactly how the chocolate uh, going to go. So she brought one, uh, no, I think two, like, big cakes. And she just slices cake and, and pass to the guest. Um, realizing that this is not what she should be doing. Um, so next year, she came with all of this, you know, beautiful setup and, uh, you know, her signature cup, uh, cupcakes and stuff like this. She, she's always coming back. Like, I know that she's going to come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> 
another uh, restaurant contacted me yesterday, Walton Wood. That uh, that uh, I think they that they win people choice. They coming back too. They like sign me in. I I will be back. So you know, I think they like it too. I will say, definitely big kudos to Lansdowne staff. They are my my huge supporters, and uh, without them, I'm I'm sure I would not be able to pull this uh, event together. So you need to mention Lansdowne Resort team that they are the best. Of course, if you're able to speak to it at the moment. Do you know how much, uh, how many funds were raised at this event through ticket sales and through the silent auction and other sources of fundraising? This is the only very, very rough estimate uh, because we have many, many silent auctions that we need to follow up. Um, many people did not pick up their items, um, and usually that takes a month before we collect all of funds. But right now, I can say that we are around 85,000. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely better than last year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was the intake last year, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I think it was 72. Yeah, that's quite an improvement. It was the best year from every corner, you know. (laughs) So I'm, I'm happy about it. Another year of this event having come and gone, do you have any plans or foresights for the next year or several years to come? Uh, yes, we are. Uh, so <laughs> yesterday I already booked um, the uh, save the date for the next year. It will be February 26, 2021, and it will be at Lansdowne Resort. Wonderful. Well, thank you for talking with me, Kasha. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right, hello guys, it's Trevor again, Trevor Bratko, and as you've probably heard by now, Loudon Wine hit a milestone last week at the Governor's Cup Wine Competition. This is the state's, the largest statewide wine competition, considered by, by most people to be the most stringent wine competition for Virginia wine. And we had our first Loudon-grown, Loudon-made winery take the grand prize. The grand prize is the Governor's Cup. And this year, 868 Estate Vineyards, which is located just outside Hillsboro, won the Governor's Cup. It was the first time uh, Loudon Winery with wine from Loudon Fruit won the cup. Uh, and it was really just a huge honor, a really, really big day for 868, of course, but also Loudon County wine altogether. You may recall uh, a few years back in 2017, the Barnes at Hamilton Station Winery, they became the first winery to win the cup. And we, of course, aren't, uh, we're not taking anything away from that victory. Congratulations to the crew over there. However, for our Loudon-centric purposes, the grapes for this 868 winner uh, all came from Loudon County, 100% Loudon-grown, Loudon-produced wine. And it was also a surprise and a little bit fascinating that the winner was a dessert wine. It's called Pasito, made from Vidal Blanc grapes. And it was the first time in about 15, 16, somewhere around there, years that a sweet wine won the cup. So I was at the award ceremony in Richmond last week, and I was fortunate enough to touch base with Nancy Delisso, she is one of 868's co-founders. 
co-owners. She is kind of the hospitality uh, extraordinaire there at the winery. Here is what she had to say about her award. We were completely surprised. Uh -huh. um, we had no idea. And um, the, the thought that after eight years that we were at that level of um, of real excitement outside of Virginia because the, the, the judging board was from all over the oh, world. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's just very exciting to us that Virginia wine is being recognized so broadly and that we were right there and with the dessert wine, which was a huge surprise. I was going to say, and huge you could, I, I was so eager to hear what the, what the room sounded like. So speak to that a little bit of just, oh my gosh, we're... Who would have thought that well, dessert wine would take the cup? And actually, it's funny because um, our social media uh, person, consultant, um, when I told her that we were in the governor's case, or no, that we'd won gold, she mm -hmm. said, oh, that's great. Are you in the case? I said, well, I don't know yet. So then we found out we were in the case. I said, yep, Kim, we're in the case. She said, well, do you think there's any chance you won the cup? I said, no way. Not at all. Strictly because, because of the dessert wine. It's a dessert yeah. wine. It's white wine. Right. Start there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which it tends to skew red. It's dessert wine. And and that was just completely a surprise. And it was so much fun. Personally, are you generally, do you enjoy dessert wines? Um, I, okay. Dessert wine, not so much my mm -hmm. thing. However, what I have found is that um, when paired, when served and paired in the right way, mm -hmm. it is this... Um, really remarkable experience on its own yeah and so what i tell people in the tasting room is um this is the way it needs to happen so you've had dinner and you've been around the, di the dining room table and i think it's very important to leave the dining room table and move to a different place uh -huh. so you move to the living room for example right so you've had a chance to stand yeah. up everybody's moved the, the air is cleared and now you're sitting next to somebody that you were not next to at the table okay that's because you now you have different conversation mm -hmm. So then you serve the dessert wine. Um, with ours, it pairs lovely with a little piece of blue cheese, some dried apricots, maybe some toasted almonds. So you have the nuttiness from the almonds, that tart from the apricot, mm -hmm. and then the saltiness of the blue cheese paired with the with the sweet of the dessert wine. Yeah. And it is its own mm -hmm. separate experience. It's like not even almost connected to the dinner because it's so special. I, in my mind, I'm thinking like the ultimate nightcap. Yes, and, you know, yes. Be like, Absolutely. Let's do one more. Absolutely. I want to do one more. You've been out on the town, and yeah. now you come back, and now you're going to talk. Done, you're not I quite done, but I want to slowly, you, you know, exactly, slowly sip on Exactly. Do, I guess speak to just kind of what, like you said, eight years. I think yeah. it was 13 when you guys opened? 12. Uh, 2012, 12 yes. Um, you know, how this, over the years, just... It's tough to put into words, but right. think of as the years go on and now, and not like you're doing it exclusively to win yeah. this award or any awards, right. but what, you know, what a nice kind of satisfaction to say, hey, look, we're really making progress as the years come along. It is, and um, what's exciting about this to me is that um, where we are is kind of a unique position because we're really very close to West Virginia. We're right next door to Maryland. We're in that little pook out of Virginia where we have all these other opportunities for people to come see us. And we do a pretty good deal. We, we, we do a pretty good job at hospitality. I want you to feel welcomed and embraced when you, when you come in, right? And what's nice about this award is I, I expect that it will bring people to us that have never experienced that with us and possibly with other vineyards, right? Maybe they haven't it might, gotten... It's, a, it's your different winery A different winery, exactly, it, so. exactly. And that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. And if, if this award and this publicity brings those people to us, 
so that we can share what we do really well with them. I am so excited about that. I forgot to mention before the interview, the winemaker for 868 who won this great honor is Carl D'Amano, and it's really just wonderful work and wonderful affirmation for all the kind of creative energy and the hands-on hard work that Carl does out in the vineyard and out at the winery. Uh, so congrats again, crew. And again, while uh, this was a huge night for 868, it was also a very good night for Loudoun County wineries altogether. We had nine Loudoun wines, including 868's Pasito, nine Loudoun wines win gold medals, which were the highest scoring of the bunch. I want to, I'm pretty sure all the golds had to score 90 points or above, and nine local wines won those. So the Loudoun County Golds went to Bro Vineyards, uh, one of my first loves in Virginia wine, Bro Vineyards. They won two for their 2015 Nebbiolo and their 2016 Merlot. 868, they obviously won for their Pasito. Green Hill Winery, they won for their Mythology, I believe their 2016 Mythology. Zephaniah Farm Vineyards, they also took gold with their 2017 Friendship. Winery 32, again a personal favorite, small plug there. They won gold for their 2016 Thoroughbred Blend, that was Winery 32. The Barnes at Hamilton Station, they again took gold for their 2017 Meritage. Sunset Hills Vineyards, no surprise here, their 2017 Mosaic took gold. That Mosaic seems to be uh, in the upper echelon of Virginia wines every year. Lost Creek Wineries, 2017 Cabernet Franc, congrats to Todd and Amy. And that is the whole batch. Congratulations to all the Loudoun County wineries. And now your 60 seconds of cinema. Though January and February usually indicate a slump in quality movie releases, these last two months had their share of surprises. Still in theaters are two very enjoyable films for two very different crowds. First, Sonic the Hedgehog breaks the trend of subpar and downright dreadful video game adaptations by being legitimately delightful. It's a breezily entertaining and often quite hilarious time at the movies, with plenty more heart than one might expect from a film that could be easily dismissed as soullessly unnecessary. If anything, it'll keep the little ones engaged. For older, more daring moviegoers, I'd highly recommend The Invisible Man, a reimagination of H.G. Wells' classic creature by Australian writer-director Lee Winnell. It's a rare reboot done right, successfully recontextualizing a century-old property to fit the paranoias of the Me Too era. But if unseen stalkers and the occasional shocking moment of gore aren't up your alley, I'd go with something a little more tame. You can find my reviews of both of these movies at loudontimes.com. Here's what else you can watch for in Loudon entertainment, attractions, and recreation in the coming weeks. Visit Loudon and FNP Events will host the first Love Loudon Wedding Showcase March 15th at West Belmont Place at the National Conference Center in Leesburg. There, couples preparing for their special day will be able to meet with nearly 100 wedding-related businesses and enjoy special activities, including a bridal fashion show, photography sessions, selfie stations, and a lounge area, as well as tastings for beer, wine, and food. Tickets start at $10, with VIP tickets available for $25. Loudoun Arts Council has announced its inaugural Loudoun Arts Film Festival will take place in Leesburg this August. 
The three-day festival will screen local and international feature films, short films, documentaries, and music videos. The regular deadline for online submissions is March 21st, after which submission fees will increase. They will increase again after the late deadline April 11th, before the final May 2nd deadline. Finally, the county has become home to an unexpectedly prominent entertainment option, drag shows. Though Tarbender's Lounge in downtown Leesburg has hosted them for a couple years, other establishments around Loudoun, including City Tap House at 1 Loudoun and Chefscape at the Village at Leesburg, have recently started to take up the trend. Future drag shows in the area include another scheduled for Chefscape on April 24th, but it has already sold out. That's all for this episode. For more coverage of the stories presented in this episode, as well as other Loudoun County news, check out the links in the episode description and check in regularly at loudontimes.com. For the Go Loco podcast, I'm John Battiston. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 